0: There is hope for us yet. We are young, we
1: are wed. I am Laura McCallum.
0: No I am Holly O'Bidden. No and no this is Home Podcast. It. And we are okay. So hey. 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 Hey.
1: Hey. So, lesson from today, we never watch a cat video before we
0: record. Never. Ever. Never. Or else um. It'll
1: take probably three minutes to be able to
0: speak. <laughs> it's not yeah. just any cat video. It's a really funny cat video. You know, one of the good ones. Okay. Um. So, hey, girl. Hi. Hey. You just got back from, I can't stop saying hey, like the cat. Okay. You just got back from Nantucket. How was your weekend?
1: It was great. It was with my dad and my daughter, and
0: your friends too. You had fr- You were with friends. You had friends there. Had yeah, so was, was well, my one friend, um,
1: Kate, who lives out there, nice saw her a bunch, and yeah, it was great. It was strange to return to Nantucket. Um, that was a place
0: where I saw a lot of drinking, a yeah. lot, yeah. Um, and what and is a, that? Is it is it cuz it's a vacation? Do people live there full time, but it's also like a vacation destination, is that right? Yeah, but it's also just part of
1: it's just the way it is there. I mean, I think generally island mentality is probably like that, but yeah. for some reason um Nantucket is particularly like that. We we used to go to this sailing race weekend called Fagawi and that was the first time I'd ever gone it was it's over Memorial Day weekend every year and it was i mean it's just this beautiful beautiful islands with a lot of money and a lot of um beautiful people and a lot of bars and a lot of restaurants and it's just you know it's kind of what happens there and but you know I it's not the first time I'd gone back but the last time was very for, for a very brief visit. And this was the first time I'd spent a, like a good amount of time and went walked around and like looked at uh, all the places I used to go. And <laughs> just, it was, it was great. It was, it was a great, great trip and it was beautiful um, to bring my daughter there, but it's just so, it's always so interesting to go back to those places yeah, and re-experience them yeah. um, for again and, Yeah, so it was a great weekend. I'm very happy to be back, and that's always the best feeling. It's so nice to be excited to come back to your
0: life. life. Yeah, I agree. That's a nice thing. That is nice.
1: And you're in Rome.
0: I, I wanted to say, yes, I'm in Rome. I wanted to say that every time I think of Nantucket, I think of Wings. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Yeah, really? Why? Because that's the only time I've ever heard of Nantucket, like being spoken uh, about popularly, is with that show with Crystal Bernard. I bet I'm not the only one. Anyway, um, I, yeah, you'll probably hear from someone that was like, "Yeah, me too." Me too. Um,
2: yes.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but, it's yeah, not a place that that's like widely known. I mean, it's I, I didn't know about it before I moved here to to Boston, and then but it's you know it's one of those islands that.
0: Anyway. Enough
1: about
0: Nantucket. Yeah. Yes, I'm in Rome. I just got here. I've been in Italy for the last week. I just got here today. No. Oh, my God. I got yesterday. here yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and it's great. I um, yeah. I kind of lost my shit over the last week, and um, I wrote about it. and um, mm-hmm. Not on my blog. I wrote about it on social media, and I... It's kind of interesting because I was I'd been carrying it around and you and I talked yesterday, um, mm-hmm. kind of right after I did that and then um, I've been carrying it around and then something about there is is there so much release and I know you know what I'm talking about and sometimes you just dump it you know and you actually say yeah. it and. Yeah. Um, there was a huge re- like it. There was there was a huge release from doing that, um, and then there was a huge release that came from walking around my favorite place in the entire world and mm-hmm. eating a huge bowl of pasta and
2: making mm-hmm. out with
0: a man named Francesco again. And um, it was yeah. It's nice to it is this is my this is my place. You know it's it's so clear okay. that this is my place. Um, so yeah, I'm in Rome and, and I'm starting to feel like myself again, and that's always the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, I just had like a really yes. nice conversation for the last hour about exciting things, and yeah, um, yeah, new
1: projects and new work, and yeah, it feels really good. You know, I I don't I don't want to leave out the fact that it's been a ridiculously awful week it in has. the country in the it country, has. and it has been. It was, it was really weird to be away this weekend. I mean, I wasn't away I'm in the States, like, a few hours from my home. But to be on vacation and sort of be witnessing all of this and really, like, just digging and, just, like, staring at my phone and the TV and reading and absorbing and listening. And it's been a – it was a really – I'm still – I'm just now feeling like, okay, I can talk about, you know, other stuff, day-to-day stuff life stuff and not feel guilty, guilty and weird
0: about it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah not feel guilty I know I know I, it it's been um it's been heavy over here because I'm not there um it's weird yeah. being it's really weird being here um yeah. it's very weird being here and being apart from that it feels um it feels very isolating and um yeah. and also it feels very like um confusing just because I don't I'm reading about it you know um, but I'm not, Right, I'm but not you're not, there. when you're not here, it fe- you don't feel all that, you know, you're disconnected. I feel, disconnected. I, I feel I, very <clears throat> disconnected from it, yeah. I mean, not disconnected yeah. in that I don't feel affected by it, just like, like, almost like it's, um, like I shouldn't be here, I should be back there. Um, yeah. Yeah. and, um, it's been, and, and I know that was part, like, that wasn't everything. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but that was a big part of it. And also, I think mm-hmm. you and I were, I think there's, there's also this part of it where, that for me it's it's really one of those things that cuts to the heart of um when something like this happens and you know that there's more that you need to do and also you're you're working on doing some other things that you're that you feel are really important um you know like i'm i'm talking about addiction and i'm also talking about yeah. um raising awareness and doing something to end the like systematic and institutionalized racism and, and all of the, the other shit. There just comes this thing where you and I, I think, um, both feel, which is, um, how do you integrate, how do you integrate these two things? How do you keep working on your own cause? And how do you, um, and how do you also, you know, give, give of yourself to, to other yeah. That well, and
1: totally, and for and yes, yes, and for me, you know, I won't even pretend. Like I, my, my feeling about it was feelings about it have been so mixed, and mm. um, I posted about that. We actually posted basically the same thing at the same time, but just our, my own discomfort with even bringing it up and talking about it as a white woman who grew up, you know, middle class and. I just don't, you know, this is not a world that I live in, but I, but I do care, and I am affected, and I want. I have this sort of hopeless, helpless feeling around it, but yet I have. See if I can say this right. I have, I know what it means to. Fight for something deeply, um, in this in this work that we're doing, and so I want to be able to apply that same is sentiment and compassion and understanding and curiosity and, um, all of that to something I really, I don't feel I have the right to be involved in, you know, um,
0: which, which
1: I'm over it, you know, it's just, it's another,
0: I was going to say, it feels like, I think when you posted that, didn't you feel the sense of like, when I said the words, when I actually said white and black, um, in a post, um, yeah. There was something that came off about being afraid to talk about it. It it actually was like, okay, I can actually, I actually get to talk, I don't get to own the experience of anybody else, but I actually get to talk about this as well. Like I can actually say these words and not like seem, there was was something also really liberating in, in, in actually putting words to it and putting that out there
1: there is and it, it, you know but it doesn't tot- for me it doesn't totally lift it, it, it at all and it's like i'm going to keep talking about this till i become a little less scared about it or right. weird feeling weird about it and so yeah so it's it's been an, a really interesting week and difficult week and um, someone posted something really beautiful that i keep thinking about yesterday which was things aren't getting worse they're just becoming uncovered that's right, and we have to hold each other close as we lift the veil. That's right, and I love that. I really, really, really love that, and um, I believe that's true. I, yeah. I do.
0: Yeah. So a, no, it's it is true. There's a um, there's a book called Radical King, and I recommend in, anybody to read it. Everybody to read it. It's just it talks about some of the more you know not sanitized. You know, there's this idea that. Martin Luther King was highly sanitized, and and and, it, mm-hmm. and he was much more radical than we're led to believe, and it's a lot of his more radical teachings. But he, this in his letter from Birmingham Jail, he talks about how the tension exists. It's just the uncovering of the of the tension is 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 what is what's happening, right? It's it's not that this is yeah. just new and, and, and surprise. It's that it's actually coming to light, and we all have to deal with it. You know, we all have to deal with it. It's um, yeah,
1: and. As a country, I mean, politically, there's so many things going on, and it's just it feels like we're in an extraordinarily angry time.:
0: That's right. Uh, that's so, true. yeah, that's true. And yeah, it's interesting so, too, being over here. I asked one of. Okay, we can we can move on, but it is it is interesting coming over here and asking the perspective of you know. Do you understand this is going on? Sure, we understand this is going on. Um, you know, like is it a big deal over here? Yes, it's a big deal over here. Um, and also, you know, it happens over. What here. is what a big deal? Racism. Oh, what's racism? going on in America? Like specifically, what happened in the events of last week? You know, between mm-hmm. the three black men that were killed um, by police officers, and then the police officers that were killed by black men, and it was just. Yeah. Um, it was, um, you know, it was news here and I don't know. It's just, yeah. Anyway, so. Yeah. No,
1: that's interesting. Um.
0: Well, yeah, it is. It is. And they, I mean, like I was talking last night about it and then, and it's, it's not isolated. I mean, same stuff exists everywhere in the world. There's, you know, it's not yeah. just in America. There's racism. Yeah. Everywhere.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, okay. So why don't we, um. We'll come back to, I mean, we're going to, you know, I, I think it's important to say that this is like, this is something that we can't necessarily like get into today, but I think it's something also that we're going to have to continue to explore because there's just no way around it. Um, and it's important to both of us. And so I think we can say that.
1: Yeah.
0: And we want to have continue. on, I
1: want to have on people that can help us talk about it too. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, right. I would love to bring, I would love to bring on, bring back Rob Bell. Like he's, I sort of been waiting to hear his response to all of it. He's been so good at, responding to things about, you know, these, these sort of incidents and who knows who else, but we, it's not a, yeah, we're not, we don't want to gloss over it and move on necessarily, Mm -hmm. but I think we want to figure out how to continue conversations around it and keeping in mind that, you know, what this show is for. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's to help people navigate recovery, right? I mean, that's really... And talking about all of these things from the perspective of somebody that is navigating recovery and recovery of anything, recovery of of self. But I think, like, Mm -hmm. when we think about these things... Um, we're all affected by this stuff. We're all affected by it's not just it's not just what happened Absolutely. last week. It's what's happening in the world right now. And what's happening is there's brokenness everywhere. I mean, we are all in pain. We like we turn to addiction, we turn to our addictions for the same reasons because we su- we suffer. And you yep. know, and we you know, we've talked about this before too. America is not an enlightened society, it's an addicted society. People are addicted to power, they're addicted to money, they're addicted to status, they're addicted to all sorts yep. of things. And you cannot just separate out like this is I do believe it's I do believe it affects us because I think so many of us are in pain and turn to chemical substances because of the society we live in and the society that we've created and the society that on some level we've all agreed to you know to go along with that's 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 a painful society society so I do think it matters to talk about here I just don't know how to do it yet Um, but we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out so before we introduce
1: our guest, James Altucher for this, this week's episode. Uh, I want to, I have a new ebook that I, this is Laura, by the way, I have a new ebook that I just put out last week called six mantras for early recovery. And I, I really wanted to write something for that period of time for people in that period of time, whether you're new to sobriety or just considering it or trying trying at it. Um, I really wanted to write something for that period of time, which was the hardest, by far for me, the hardest uh, thing that I've gone through. And I wrote, there's six mantras, sort of phrases, sayings, and personal essay uh, that describes sort of the meaning and origin of each of them. It's a 19 page ebook. It's $6. It's available on my website. You can look at uh, it's yeah lauramcowan.com and you'll see it it's a big big old thing right there uh, and it's available for download
2: yeah
0: and it's so right good. now it's so good I purchased a copy um, Thank you. you're welcome <laughs> Thank and then you. also um, we want to remind viewers to please if you are on iTunes or if you're not go to iTunes and please follow subscribe to the home podcast take a minute to give us a rating. Um, mm-hmm. It really helps us get the word out about our podcast. That's right. Okay, so now you want to talk about Mister Alticher,
1: James. Mm-hmm. James St. James. Yes, yeah, so St. This, James. Yeah, that doesn't fit at all. No, um, he so James Alticher is. I came across him as we were go, kind of digging back. Um, through sorry, how, I, how I came across him was years and years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago. And he wrote on a site called Altature Confidential. It was a blog and he posted other things too. But I just, I was so drawn to him because he's he is, by background, he's a trader and an investor uh, and an entrepreneur and he, wrote about those you know all those things but he also wrote about his relationships and being a parent and his marriage and his divorce and and finances in a way that was just quirky and different and really kind of honest and raw and often funny and irreverent it's just a he's an interesting interesting dude and I have since followed him he, he is very prolific he puts out an astounding amount of content on his blog. He's written, I think, six or seven, probably more. He he's probably um correcting me right now as he listens to this maybe 12 books. Uh one that I like the best is called Choose Yourself. He he's uh, your, Yeah yeah we both really like that one. And yeah he's just got a really a really good curious interesting message and sort of (laughs) he's unlike anyone we've talked to I would say and it was the first interview where immediately so this is this is one where we did it that I was in person interviewing him in a, a little uh conference room in Soho I was there for for Yoga for Recovery event and we Skyped you in from home you're in LA and it was so it was uh logistically sort of Humorous. Oh, right? And also,
0: the sound quality, by the way, is just awful because both of you, I forgot to tell you this, both of you were hitting the table to emphasize Oh, God. Things. And so, oh, yeah. So, sorry, guys. Laura and James were very, they were gesticulating with Excited. their eyes. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I watched it the whole time. I was like, stop. 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 stop doing that. <laughs> That's great.
1: Great. He also has his own <laughs> podcast and he's interviewed a lot of really cool people. Yeah. Uh, Ariana Huffington. He interviewed Wayne Dyer, which for me is like the, the white whale, like before he passed away, he interviewed Wayne Dyer. He says, um, his, his, the one he wants to get the most is Louis CK. I'm hoping that he does. So he, anyway, we interviewed him and talked about, I don't even know how to describe this interview. It went all over the place. He actually interviewed us for, he kind of hijacked our podcast from the, of he for did. the first fifteen minutes,
2: yeah. and interviewed
1: us, and then he wanted to
0: know who he was talking to, and uh, yeah. he took the time to make sure he did a thorough job of understanding who would be interviewing him. <laughs> Classic, right? Live on on the air, yeah. um, in a really. It was, it was true to his work. yeah it was yeah great. It, was it was great yeah I thought the whole thing I mean I um I like all of these that you source um I had I had owned his book for a while mm-hmm. like it was I think since it came out it was one it was one it was down the list of my Kindle I probably I stockpile books I have all these things that I hadn't read and so you talked about him and. I did not know who he was and, um, read his book and, and just, you know, fell in love. And, and I love anybody that's, um, a future, he's a bit of a futurist and he's kind of, yep. he's also a high energy and he's got, he does yep. a lot of different things, very creative, um, kind, interested in people, you know, I mean, he's just kind of like my typical, like love that person, love what they're about, love what they're doing. Um, totally. and I thought it was just a wonderful, like wonderful, Um, conversation. He also talks about his, you know, relationship with alcohol and, and, um, And, and in his book, Choose Yourself, he also talks about addictions, and and it's. I mm-hmm. love his formula for for living, which is, you know, he's just, he's got, like, guidelines about, you know, eating and pooping sleeping. and sleeping. And, um, you know, he's just, he's wonderful, and I highly recommend anybody, you know, follow his, I love his feeds, follow his feeds. You know, he's got great blogs, and, and Choose Yourself is just an excellent book. His podcast is great, and he's just a, he's a good guy, you know, he's a good guy. And yeah.
1: Uh, this is a great episode. Yes. And I hope you
0: love it. I loved it. I hope you guys do too. Thanks, Laura, for finding all the people. You're very good today. Love you. I love you. I'm
3: taking over your podcast, Holly <laughs> and Laura. And I know this is a podcast about addiction, but I feel addiction is this kind of catch-all phrase. Like, a lot of people are addicts. And, uh, and then get through it. And we only hear about when they get through it and how they got sober. Yeah. But I think there's so many different levels to this and agree with me or disagree with me. Like first you have to recognize that addiction is causing a problem and then you have to go through all the hard parts of getting over an addiction. Like it's such this deep in the brain thing. You don't even know when you're over the addiction. You're, you're never over never, the addiction. Never, right. So when did you realize that, like what was the problem that addiction was actually causing both of you that you felt like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get past this, this point in my life unless I solve some deep problem that I don't even really understand what it is
0: I was was dying I mean that's it I was working like 100 hour weeks I was extremely successful in my career and I was going to bed at night with a couple of like I would have two to three bottles of wine or pints of Jameson and I'd wake up and drink in the morning and I was I was dying I was I'm writing a deck right now for anyway I'm writing out my story and I was like kind of just trying to capture what it was and it was like coughing up black phlegm blood in my stools and also just wanting like knowing I was going to die
3: somehow you were doing that and working 100 hours a week oh
0: and I was getting promotions I was really I was doing I was doing very good at my job I was doing very poor in every other area of my life
3: what, what do you mean by doing poor in every other area of your life? I
0: was keeping it all going by I was keeping it like like duct taped together with alcohol, pot, cigarettes, um, Netflix, uh, food. I was binging and purging. I was I was giving so much to my job, and I, that was it was it had become the the center of my universe. That I was basically in survival mode in every other area of my life to keep up my to keep up my. Uh, to keep up what was required of me to do what I was doing in my life. Like profession. what was going
3: on? What was going on in the relationships part of your life?
0: <laughs> <sighs> I had. I mean, I had none. I'd isolated by then. I was. Um, I hadn't had. I hadn't been in a relationship uh, in a couple of years. I would occasionally still have sex with my ex boyfriend, but I was at that point just married to my job and to my booze.
3: And do you feel that all these things it doesn't sound like one addiction it sounds like self-medication like you oh. think you were self-medicating some other more biological problem
0: Yeah Totally. Well, I look at like one of my favorite models, and I, I'll send you a, I'll send you a picture of it. But I love um, Dr. Andrew Tatarski has this really great thing called the psychobiosocial model, and it's not just one. Th- we all think it's just one thing, you know. Like people are still trying to find this gene, or we're still trying to say, you know, Gabor Mate says it's trauma. It's everything. I mean, it is a it is the bolus of shit that you essentially go through and acquire in your life. It's your it's it's how you were raised. It's what your role models were. It's what unprocessed trauma you have. It is. How what your peers were doing it's the age you started drinking it is what coping mechanisms you picked up or didn't pick up you know it's this whole trajectory and I think I love what you said and I'll read you back one of your quotes from your book but I love what you said I mean like we're addicted to everything you're right it is it's a term that's overused we're specifically talking about um, mostly chemical addiction on this podcast because chemical addiction is different because it kills you faster but Everyone, like we live in an addicted society. Like we live in a society that is addicted to status, power, wealth. Um, and you, I mean, you name it, people are addicted to it. It's just chemical addiction is different because it forces you to a point, it, a lot of people, it forces you to a point where you have to do something about it or you die or you lose well, everything. Well,
3: But that's why also with chemical addiction, I'm wondering if you were self-medicating something like bipolar or borderline personality disorder or some other deeper biological, neurological issue.
2: I
0: had, I was, I I did, uh, I took a test on borderline personality disorder because that was how it was... That was what I that was my first step into it. Um, I didn't have there was no comorbidity except for an eating disorder. The symptoms of borderline personality disorder really were just a result of, um, of of my addiction. It wasn't the other way around. I went around and tried to get diagnosed as it, and nobody would diagnose me as borderline. And honestly, when I started working recovery, all of that stuff went away.
1: Yeah, same. I mean I, I would say. Absolutely, I had depression. Absolutely, have have anxiety. My anxiety actually got worse when I quit drinking.
3: Of course, because right, you know? you're self medicating. Right, mm-hmm. but
1: so I think that stuff is always underneath there, Um, not and to varying degrees with different people. But it's like she was saying, like the 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 reasons why you might start going into you know heavily relying on a chemical substance are so ma- there's so many. Yeah. You know, um, AA will tell you that you were born that way, and I'm I'm an AA person. I do, you know, I'm, I'm a twelve stepper. Um, Holly didn't go that route.
3: What well, what step are you on? Four. What step's that?
1: It's writing down your inventory of everything.
3: And what's on your inventory? <laughs>
1: oh god! Oh god! Um,
3: like what? What should I start writing down if I was writing down my inventory?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, resentments. So who do you? Who in your life are you pissed off at? Like, and, now. like right now
3: who are you pissed off at
1: me um Holly <laughs> she's probably, actually no, you, on <laughs> <my> <laughs> you
3: guys aren't pissed off at each other oh no uh, no we, we fight.
1: fight yeah tune into the next episode and you'll you'll understand um parent my parents I mean it's like it's like a lot of basic um it's not just who you're resentful of but that's the place you start and then you realize your part in it like your are the job is to say I'm, you know I'm resentful of my ex-husband
3: the why'd you get divorced that's one <laughs>
1: Oh, dude, um, I... Because everyone
3: says X this, X that, but there's always that moment where yeah. it's like the deepest pain. Yeah. And it's not like, and people say, oh, it was amicable. No, it wasn't.
1: No, it wasn't. No, wasn't. Mine, I knew on my, I knew before I got married, but I knew on my honeymoon, um, once the, the rush of adrenaline and the excitement, when I realized it was over, like, the, the momentum had stopped. The wedding was over. We were on our way to Nantucket, and I... I knew, I said, this isn't right. Um, but I stayed married to him for six years because that wasn't a good enough reason to just end a marriage. What did, you,
3: what did you think was not right?
1: I didn't like him. I love him, but I did not like him. What's I did mean, not huh? like having conversations with him. I did not like, when it was just him and me, hated it.
3: Like, like, what would make you hate him? Like, what would he do?
1: Um, he would... <sighs> okay, so... Like, I named our daughter after a character in a book. What book? History of Love, Nicole Krauss. And, you know, he would
3: never read the book. You you recommended that book on 11 Read books.
1: Yeah, you read read my blog. Um, So, like, shit like that. He he would be super judgmental. He would be, um, he talks about shit I don't care about. Like what? Real estate. I don't care. I don't care. Um, We would be trapped in the car together and I'd be like, I I seriously hate this person. I don't like spending time with you, but yet I love him, but we had a kid, you know, and it's, I don't know. I don't have a Did you love him?
3: Like, what did you love about him? It sounded like you just hated him.
1: No, I didn't just hate him. You can hate and love someone.
3: Really? Yeah. I don't know how to do that. You don't. Yes, really? Yes, you do.
0: There's nobody that you love, but you just don't really like.
3: I mean, I can't picture it, so maybe describe what it means. I don't understand. Okay, so... Like, what did you love? He was a kind person?
1: Very kind. He felt like safety to me. Like, part of me was drawn to him that I couldn't really explain. I wanted, like... He felt like walking into a room, in an air conditioned room, and it was really hot outside, and you just like... Um, and i had a really immature sense of what i wanted i hadn't been in a serious relationship so the momentum I, I one of my friends said recently like when you're in a relationship you're like on the thing, you get on an elevator and like the ele- the relationship itself has its own momentum like it kind of goes and you're yeah. on it but you're you're it's got its own thing and you know i thought this is this is going to save me this is what i want i want someone to love me i want someone to to, to fill this up right and it's not it wasn't all like dysfunction like there are parts of him I really do love he's an amazing father we're really good friends now I love being his friend I don't I I didn't want to have sex with him after a while and I think kind of when that's gone it's over like you don't think there was
3: any way to kind of like re re
1: redo that I had fucked it up so bad too I had ruined us I mean I, I I was a I was a budding alcoholic into <laughs> then to an active alcoholic.
3: You were just practicing to be an alcoholic. I man. was very You were in training. You are yeah. an You
1: know, like, when you're in a relationship, too, with someone, it brings up all your shit. And I got married to him, and it was like, oh, this is, we're gonna, like, we're, we're gonna grow now. And I feel like I, like, him loving me allowed me to sort of be confident for the first time. And I was like, oh, this isn't what I want. Like, I want to be able to, like, other people. I don't, you know, I felt like good for the first time about myself. It came into my own.
3: So how did it actually end? So
1: it ended... uh, Six
3: years later. Death
1: by a thousand tiny cuts. But it ended because he eventually found out I had lied to him so much because of drinking, because I I didn't know how to make a clean break, so I made it really dirty. Like how? I cheated on him. I lied to him. I drank and acted like a shitty person and I was I was unreliable and all that. Um, so I just made a mess and he was just like, who the who, who are you? Who am I married to?
3: Was he, did he cry when he found out?
1: Um, yeah, there were some tears. The worst, the saddest thing he ever said to me was when he cried. He cried and he's not a big cry, but he cried and he said, you're just not a very nice person. Ugh. And that, oh, that hurt me, that hurt.
3: And was that the moment you realized you needed help or did you feel like you still tackle it on your own?
1: Totally, I mean, it was so, it was so, when I wanted him to go, like I didn't know that then, but I wanted him to go, I wanted everyone away because I wanted to do the thing I wanted to do. I wanted to drink the way I wanted to drink. I wanted to sleep with whoever I wanted. I wanted to just do, I wanted to be alone, right? Now I know that's like alcoholism and addiction getting bigger. Um, so, no, I didn't know that I needed help then. That's when, the, like, the wheels came off, and I just went. It got scarier at that point, though, because he wasn't watching me. No one was watching me anymore. I could do whatever I wanted.
3: What was the scariest moment, then?
1: Um, I talked about it before, but I the scariest moment for me was I left my daughter, actually, in a hotel room at my brother's wedding for a night, my four-year-old daughter, because I blacked out, and um, she found my family, like, that morning um, after going on to the hotel um, corridor or whatever, going, wandering around by herself, no clothes on. And I woke up in some dude's room and so it was a public enough thing, but because my family knew um, that I was forced to like do something. My family who drank a lot, like all of us together um, was like, you no so, <laughs> you we can manage our alcoholism
3: so they were you like not. they were like alcohol, they were into alcohol for fun and they realized for you it was like a professional activity
1: yeah you were a yeah. pro yeah it was a pro um and they were like you good.
3: have to start taking care of this
1: yeah or you like truly you have to or you're you're gonna have your daughter like and that for me that was a thing where like i paid attention to that
3: does your daughter remember it now yeah she does. Wow. Yeah. So she's always gonna she like therapy. Fine. Twenty years from now, yeah, she's I'm gonna be talking to her therapist a about. Money it.
1: Aside for that.
2: <laughs> like, her but I mean, that wasn't the end either.
1: That wasn't the end. I didn't quit really for another year. Um, but I started trying, and then you know, I like met people like Holly, and I started trying. But for me, it was a it was a long
3: flying out. Well, it sounds like awareness is really the first step.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, awareness is, awareness has to precede willingness, right? I mean... For sure. I wasn't willing for a long
1: time, but I was aware.
0: Yeah. You kind of had to be...
1: It's, you have yeah. to know something's
0: wrong to do something about something.
1: Correct. And you have to, um, yeah, it's like looking at the thing that you've been unable or unwilling to look at.
3: So for the both of you, have your lives gotten better as you've tackled this? Like assuming that it's not <laughs> to... a finished process... Like, have your actual qualitative lives gotten better?
0: Yeah. Not even. It's, it's not th- even better. It's like a different life. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah.
3: In what way? What's the best things that have happened?
0: Go home. You tell. Quit my job, uh, started my own company, um, traveled. I live in Rome a couple months out of the year now. Um, I'm, I'm just happier. I have a meditation practice. I've gotten two yoga teaching credentials. I started a podcast with my best friend. Um, I started blogging and writing, um, got rid of all my shitty friendships, um, got a better body. I look younger. Um, I have, I believe in myself. I understand who I am. I know where I'm going. I'm not a f- of, I am afraid, but I, I am not ruled by fear anymore. I'm not even close to being ruled by fear. Um, got got fucking courage. Um, found out that I could take really beautiful photographs, and now I take I spend time photographing things. And That's great. I mean, just like I could go on. I wrote a list of 103 different things ways that my life has improved in three years a couple months ago and it's just there's, there's no measurement there's that life that was just like a slow march towards death there's this life which is just endless possibility
3: you just gave me a great idea for a blog post thank you yay that.
0: what is it so, what is it
3: well the ways my life has gotten better since I've quote unquote chosen myself as per the title of my yes. of one of my books yeah. so I think that's a good idea
0: I um, think that the, I like
1: that like all that the stuff that's the best part about all the stuff that she talked about, the outside stuff is great, and there's lots that has improved. Like I'm not, I mean, there's a lot that has improved. I live in a little bit of a better place. Um, yes, my, I, I, you know, physically I feel better, but the inside stuff is the the good, the good part. Like I actually have some peace. I'm free. That's the big part. Like, what do you mean you're free? free? I'm free. I'm not ruled by this thing or many things. I mean, it's not that it all goes away. It's like forever, forever, forever work, like you said. But I'm not... Um, I was thinking about it as I was walking here to, like, get this written today. Like, it, in my, uh, you know, in my addiction, I would have a, I would have been hungover. So I probably would have, been, I would have been like a total disaster getting over here. I probably would have forgot some shit. I would have been... Um, you know, like my phone battery would have been dying or I would have lost my phone last night so I would have had to go replace it. And you know, like endless, endless uh, chaos all the time. And then I would have been like shaking and nervous and I'm, I'm shaking, like I'm nervous, but it's, it's okay. Um, and I, I would have been afraid, like ruled by the fear. Um, and, to, and then I would have been like, oh my God, what am I gonna do after? I'm gonna go, who am I gonna go drink with? Where am I gonna go drink? How am I gonna manage that? The money would have been a mess. And now, like, I don't have, that's not calling the shots anymore. You know, that stuff isn't calling the shots. So I can show up. It can be awkward. I can be weird. It can be whatever it is, and it's still fine.
3: Yeah, your t-shirt says, awkward till I die. What, what why, <laughs> and you mentioned it in your Instagram, you yeah. know, that you're awkward. What does that mean? Because I feel awkward almost all the time as well.
1: I know, that's why I like you. <laughs> I know. Um, you own it. One awkward one awkward yes. to another. We we can see each other. I
3: like uh I like the word awkward better than the word introvert because yeah. I think introverts widely misunderstood. And
0: it's also it's too narrow, right?
1: Too narrow. And nitro- everybody or too has dry. pieces or of
0: holes. Yeah, and everyone has pieces, I mean everyone has pieces of introvert and extrovert. I mean, to be honest. Yeah.
3: But awkward. But this is probably an awkward because this maybe is another blog post for me. <laughs>
1: So really, we're just doing this. Yeah, you just fueling me Thank you. <laughs> so these t-shirts, we created a few t This is actually Holly's phrase. She said this on one of our podcasts. She,
0: I don't remember what you were doing, but it was so She's Talking about being like, fucking socially awkward. I don't know. Yeah, and you're
1: like, uh, and you're like,
0: awkward till I die. Yeah. And I, and we, Make yeah, a so t-shirt. that has, has to
1: be a t-shirt. So we actually made this t-shirt. We have teetotaler. We have uh, sorry, I didn't want to come, and that's how we like raised money for the podcast. So a bunch well, of people walk around, but awkward just means I
0: don't know. Like,
2: I'll tell you, you what I think. Basically, it's, it means like,
0: it's okay. like porn. You can't necessarily define it, but you know it when you see it.
2: I, I, feel <laughs> in, I,
3: I think that's right, but I think in, in many situations, I feel undeserving of that situation, and that makes me feel awkward in that situation. Yeah. So you can be at a party, and I feel undeserving to be worthy of talk of people talking to me at the party so I feel awkward
2: Or yeah. I feel
3: good things are happening to me let's say a good relationship is happening and you feel undeserving that relationship you might make you awkward when interacting so with it's the like, like a
0: manifestation of insecurity yeah yeah, yeah. you forget I yourself I get that I get that completely you're not awkward here. You seem incredibly comfortable here. You've taken over our podcast. What's the difference?
3: That, that, that's, the, that's, the, um, <laughs> that's my outcome of my awkwardness, is that I have to take control of the podcast.
2: I see what happened. Well,
3: well, also, I feel like, look, I didn't know you guys. I'm doing this podcast, and I wanted to learn something that's going to change my life. You've given me at least two ideas for blog posts, and I've learned about you, and I've learned about...
2: Has okay. it changed no, your I've life? Listened maybe Hmm.
3: (laughs) we'll see we'll see how the rest of my life goes and if it's changed it I I think you
1: I think you wanted to make to have control before we started asking you questions sure
3: but I also am (laughs) curious about people so yeah I know you are that's
1: why that's why your podcasts are so good you have like the widest spectrum of people on your show and so many that that I'd be interested in and you got Wayne Dyer by the way
3: Wayne Dyer yeah right before he died
1: yeah. I mean, not that
2: like that was a, key in it, but... I was excited I about, about
0: Ashley Vance, and I think that you Ashley should... Ashley Vance is good? I really hope you get Elon Musk. I really hope you get Elon Musk.
2: You
3: know, I wonder, sometimes these guys who are so beyond, uh, they're, they're, they stick to their message so much that it's hard to kind of get them to veer off message, and I try yeah. really hard, but it's sometimes it's better to get the people who are a little easier to get off message
1: yeah, yeah there to there get the real story and media
3: trained Elon Musk has a real story and then he has the Iron Man story yeah and I don't know if you can get him off the Iron Man story it's my suspicion <laughs> but I don't know uh, uh, you can
2: find out who's your
1: who's your like white whale guest who do you want Louis C.K. Uh, oh okay. I want you to have him. you should be able to get, get him you got him hmm? Did you, you got him
3: no no I've gotten I've gotten some great comedians but not Louis C.K. okay You've written about him a lot. I've written about
1: him, yeah. yeah, (laughs) because I remember, like, a a block. Yeah. Oh, I'm Louis C.K. too. Uh, I thought you, that's funny. Yeah, you wrote about him a lot. You're, like, the genius of Louis C.K.
3: You wrote a thing about him. Yeah, Louis C.K., I mean, is a genius. So, and he's dealt with a lot of all these issues that we're discussing, and and he translates it to humor in a very uh, interesting way. Interesting. I mean, I was listening to him right before I came here, actually, 20 minutes ago. You
1: were? Yeah.
0: What were you listening to?
3: I was listening to his 2008 special, Chewed yeah.
1: Up,
0: which I had listened
3: to before, but it's, it's particularly good. It was on the cusp of when he was going from, you know, everybody knew he was great, but he wasn't yet, like, world great, and yeah. so that was a, a particularly good one.
1: Did you listen to the one of his, the most recent with Mark Marin and him, where he talks about how he developed Horace and Pete?
3: Uh, I just began that, and I haven't finished it. It's really
1: good. You'll like it, because it's, like, deep in, the, in his brain about... You know, he's, how you create? It's the creating. He's interesting
3: on the Mark Maron podcast because they've known each other for like twenty five years, yeah. or thirty years, or whatever. And somehow you feel like a little bit of not disdain, but it's almost like he doesn't care as much as Mark Maron when he's on Mark Maron's podcast. And so I, I like he has a little bit. Not an, I don't want to say an attitude. He doesn't have a bad attitude, but there's definitely they have a relationship. They
1: have a lot. They have a history. Relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mark and, Mar- and Maron's got his all his neuroses, and they come out, and they're like. You know, they knew each other when neither
0: of them were anybody. Yeah. So, no, I love those two. Anyway. All right, I want to get to asking some of these questions, because one of the first ones that, Laura, you were going to ask, I think is really important for everyone to understand. I don't want either of us to try and do this. You're going to ask, um, can you ask the number one question you have? Do you have those handy? Yeah.
1: Okay. So,
0: you mean the first question? The right? number one question, the first one, right?
1: Okay. So... So when I was trying to explain to one of my friends who you were, they weren't familiar with your work. What? Uh, I know there are a few. (laughs) There's just, there's like five of us. There's like five. So she was, she's like, so who is it? So who is he? And I was like, um, so how do I explain him? Like, he's like, uh, He's like a prolific writer. He writes a bunch. He writes a blog. It started as Altitude Confidential, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I found. Like, I found you years and years ago. And then he's also written a bunch of books. He's like kind of a business investing guy. He's like made a bunch of money, lost a bunch of money, made a bunch of money again. He's like, um, but he also has a podcast. But he also, I, I could not explain you, and but it got me to thinking, like, why? What is attracted me to your work? Um, Cause I'm not a money, I'm not a bit. You know, like there's a lot of stuff that you write about where I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. But I think it's the, I think it's the honesty and the reinvention thing. Like you seem to be, and you have a curiosity, but, but it, I think it's the reinvention thing that I am so interested in because you talk about like being at a place, like at a bottom place, and you're really honest about it and kind of let people into it, and then you talk about what you do to rebuild. And you seem to have you seem to have a lot of that in you and you also seem to be interested in that in other people. Like how they it. Sure. So is that do you see yourself that way?
3: Well, how many careers have you had since you were like twenty-five years old?
1: I don't even have i c I've never had a career.
3: Right, I've so had jobs. Okay, you've had jobs and but this but like podcasting is like a kind of sub career somehow yeah. and uh, writing and so on. So I feel like everybody like people think when they're eighteen years old, oh I'm gonna be a physicist, or I'm going to be a computer programmer, and then then I go to college thinking, oh, I'm going to major in this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to have a job doing that forever, or write, start a company, or whatever doing it, but the reality is, things go wrong, and uh, we have many different interests in our lives, and many different priorities, and some things are priorities at different points in our life, like some years you might want to write and write a novel, other years you might want to make money and other years you might want to be great at podcasting and, and or take good photographs and you want to get really good at these things that you love and that's all part of reinvention reinvention is this process of saying okay I'm going to make this a priority and get really good at it because I love it Yeah. Uh, and that's how you reinvent and people who say well I'm interested in 20 things and I'm just going to do everything they're not reinventing they're just kind of Dabbing. you know doing their thing and they dabble in all these other things yeah. but reinvention is about well, I want to get really good at something. I was really bad at it. Like maybe I was really bad at life or relationships or I was drinking too much. So it was yeah. stopping me from reinvention or I was doing some other damaging behavior in my life. Yeah. And so you can't reinvent at all when that's happening. And so, so I became very interested in, well, how can I take this life I had? Like you had... A daughter I had two kids yeah. uh, how do I take this life where I'm really messing up and reinvent it into something good so I can take care of the responsibilities I have and do what I love let me ask you a question what time is it right now
0: oh
3: 10.30 25 10.25 what day is it today
0: I have no idea June 17th
3: June 17th on a Friday so it's 10.30 or whatever on a Friday and we're sitting in this breather <laughs> in the middle of Soho talking to each other, and everyone else is at work. Yeah. So, this is kind of like freedom, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. we're getting to do what we want. It's to freedom when we want. you
0: remember it, though. You forget it. You totally forget it, because you just end up creating the same kind of, like, I, I find that I've created the same kind of, um of what, what am I looking for? Like chains in, in this world, in this like other side of it that I did when I was working for someone, it's only when I remember that I don't have a job necessarily and that I'm my own boss, sure. that it's free.
3: It's a, I think it's very important to, to remember. I think awareness every day is the key. And, uh, so, so you were coming here today for this interview at, at 10 AM, now it's 10:30, And, uh, not going to work. And and every, someone asks you, what does he do? Well, it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. What do you do? You just said you, you never had a career. I think when you start putting labels on those things, those are kind of the, we wear a uniform normally, and those are the little badges and medals on the uniform, right. The, right. The, right. the labels we have. But take the uniform off, you're not in the military anymore, quote-unquote military. You're just free. You can do what you want. Yeah. And that doesn't mean money. It's not. It's not necessarily financial freedom, because I know many people who are financially... Free, but they're like stuck. Like they have to work a hundred hours a week. They have to keep supporting, you know, the big, you know, house in the suburbs or the Hamptons right. or whatever. They they have to keep doing what they're doing. They're not free at all. But we're we're free to do this. Who who? Why the heck are we doing a podcast at ten thirty on a Friday? Because we want to. Because we want. And to. it's fun. And we're meeting yeah. each other and having I, fun for the I first time. I, I
1: think. You're talking. You you narrowed it for me a little bit, which was you kind of gave me permission to just think like that, um, which is something I already had. But you, you lose that as you get to be an adult, or I, it, most people do. You lose this idea that you can choose different, and
3: right, you I, can choose different and think about it. Many people, including me, feel often feel undeserving of that. Mm. Why should I be 10:30 a.m. on a Friday talking you with still you? Still feel that I totally do really? every day. And that leads to the awkwardness, and then that leads to being aware of the fact that, hey, this is this great and special thing that I've worked hard for, yeah. and and I chose to do it this way, and you're choosing to do it this way, yeah. and you don't have to feel awkward. So this this battle, yeah. so to feel deserving of a, a life that that you've earned. If you don't, if you don't feel a little undeserving of it then maybe you don't deserve
2: it. Right. Like, right.
3: you yeah. have to right. earn it every day. Yeah. So you have to choose yourself every day is the way I put it in my book.
0: Can so we, I have a question to go, that kind of goes along with that. So I read Dan, have you ever read Dan Pink's A Whole New Mind? You familiar with no. that? It's a great, no. it's a great book. It's in line with what you're talking about. I read it about four years ago when, um, and it brought together for me the pieces of it, which is that we're, it's, it basically talks about how, Asia, automation, and abundance, um, cheap stuff, lots of cheap stuff, is driving us towards a world where we are moving out of right brain dominated careers, right? Becoming a lawyer, becoming a doctor, becoming an engineer, becoming things that can be replaced by a machine or or somebody that's overseas um, is no longer the thing to be. It's really starting to move towards a more individualized society and that the people that will succeed in the future are those that can kind of move with this and move away towards these right brain dominated careers and start moving towards these meaningful, symphonic and multifaceted types of, of careers. And so you write about this. I love it because you write about this and, and I am I very much believe that hierarchies are falling, that this is really the time of the rise of the individual and that we actually get to create. We, we live in a world where we have the tools to start creating the lives that we want to create. And you talk about like the death of the cubicle. What, how would you say it? Like the death of like the cubicle...
3: Yeah, death of the cubicle, death of the salaried employee. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so so. Well, my okay. my question on this is is. I get that And I move towards that Laura gets that She moved towards that You're obviously doing this But for somebody You know And and really what you say Is like you have to have The courage to choose yourself And to create this life That you want for yourself Like how do you For a lot of people That's a hard fucking leap Like especially like I think about you know Possibly a single mother Who has two children Who's working a nine to five job As an accountant Or whatever it is That she's doing To keep herself together How do you How do you say This is for everybody How is this Like how can this be For everybody Like how can you how can you leverage that opportunity to all of us?
3: Okay, so a couple of great points in your question. First off, I love the phrase, a symphonic career, that uh, the word symphonic is, is, is pretty there. And what does that mean? It means that uh, a beautiful piece of music is not created by one instrument or one voice, but kind of the combination of all these instruments and voices. And too often, uh, a single career or a single job is just it's just one instrument, one one voice, one note. And, you know, in order to create, in order to make your life a beautiful piece of music, you have to learn how to cultivate this symphony that it really is inside all of us. You know, we all have, we don't all have just one interest. We have many interests. And you think, well, oh, no, I've got the two daughters. I'd I have to make pay the bills. I've got the mortgage. Uh, you know, I can't. I can't be like this guy I'm listening to who and, and develop this symphony of voices inside of myself. I'll address that in a second. The other thing is, you mentioned, um, going from uh, this this sort of hierarchy that we always place ourselves in to a more individualized career. I don't think that's possible. Uh, we're, we're, we're primates at the end of the day, and every single primate for millions of years has lived in a tribe, and a tribe is ruled from the alpha male and female to the omega male and female, every single tribe of primates in, in history of evolution. So we can't break out of that. When you were first describing to me your podcast, uh, and I won't get into the specifics, but you right away started talking to me about your number of Downloads and how it was moving up or down. So you immediately, we now we have a little bit of benefit in that we choose the hierarchy that we're in, but you say, okay, now I'm going to do a podcast, And you immediately place yourself where you are in that hierarchy as ranked by the metric of downloads. <laughs> and, you know, when you're in 12-step, it's who's in the 10th step, who's in the 4th step. You know, so, so we have lots of hierarchies now that we've learned how to place ourselves in, but we still pick our hierarchies. We can't help it. Um, I can't help it either. When you have a book out, you reload the Amazon sales rank page to see where you rank in the world on Amazon every day. So it, but we change our hierarchies. The good thing about humans is you know, we've evolved this ability to adapt. That's why we can go, we're the only species that moves from one uh, kind of climate to another because we have this ability to adapt. So we adapt hierarchies pretty easily, but we're still in hierarchies. So leaving that aside for a second. How do you actually um, say, oh, I can't leave my nine-to-five job because I have to support my kids? The problem there is, is not that you can't leave it, it's that you have to leave it. Like It's like what Dan Pink was describing. It's not like you have to, to say... I'm gonna stop being a computer programmer because I want to do other things. It's that computer programming is being outsourced to Asia, so sooner or later you're gonna either get fired or you're gonna get demoted or your salary's gonna go down or you're gonna give more. You're gonna be given more and more demeaning jobs, uh, and the reason for that, I mean, you even look at the statistics. It's not just me saying this. The average income for you know, young people, ages eighteen to thirty-five, has gone down. Has gone from thirty-six thousand dollars to thirty-three thousand dollars over the past twenty-five years. And so, the reason for that is because of all this outsourcing and all this automation. So it's not like you. Uh, it's not like you can choose to do this. It's like you have to do this now. And so, the way you have to do this is stop. Uh, you know, and you discussed this in one of your blog posts about priorities. And stop doing the things. Uh, stop saying yes to the things that you, you don't have to do like reading The New Yorker or watching House of Cards or you mentioned binging on Netflix uh, and and start uh, using the, that time to cultivate your other interests. Like if you love taking photographs like Holly discovered you're, you love taking beautiful photographs now and actually when you said that I'm, I'm watching on Skype that was the only time your, your face lit up and you smiled. Like obviously you love Doing it, I'm sure you try to do it every day, and you start having an eye for a story and, and looking for things. Yeah. And uh, you have to you have to start finding those five things that you love doing, and you're going to just get better and better and better at. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of prescribed techniques to get better at something. One of them is to do it every day. The other is just to show your work uh, to someone better than you and get feedback and so on. Well, you have to start doing it. So Warren Buffett has this uh, kind of technique which I think either he called it or I call it the 525 technique. So list the 25 things right. that you love the most and split them apart. Here's the top five, here's the other 20. Never ever look at the other 20 again because you might love that other 20 and this is your point of, sometimes you just have to there, say yes. no to the things you love even also. Never look at the other 20 again because otherwise it'll d- distract or detract from that top five. And so you have to do those things. Yeah. You have to do that top five. And that's how, bit by bit, you'll start evolving from that cubicle at Procter & Gamble to a whole life of other possibilities. Yeah. And alongside that, what I recommend in my book, Choose Yourself, actually, is start writing down a list of 10 ideas a day. And because yeah. that will start to exercise this idea muscle we all have, and eventually you'll start coming up with ideas how you could take photography, in your example, Holly, and turn it into uh, who knows? So that you, yeah, who yeah. knows? Something you can monetize in some way. Eventually, you'll start monetizing this podcast. You're already monetizing it with these T-shirts. So, so uh, you know, bit by bit, you figure out more ways to monetize on these other things you're passionate about. And it takes a while. And that post I've done reinvention takes years, but yeah. you'll do it if you if you if you stick to that process of reinvention, you will do it. Like, and it will work.
0: So two questions, though. First of all, I never want to make money off of photography because money stresses me out. Photography make is bliss. There's no pressure on it. I, I love doing it just for the sake of doing it. I never want to monetize it. And so how do you – I want you to talk to that because I think there are some things that are sacred. Like you're never going to make money off of playing chess um, or, or will although, you? Although
3: I've, although I've tried. <laughs> so I, it's not it's – but by the way, so I dropped no my top – I, look, I tried setting up a, an internet chess server, which actually still exists, but I've never, I never made money off of it. And I thought when I was 18, oh, is there a way to be a professional here? Yeah. Um, I also worked on computer chess programs, which potentially could have made money. And, uh, but I also removed that from, I removed chess from my top five. So it's What not, are your top it's, five? It's that was my, my second
0: five. question. What is your top five?
3: Uh, I would say, you know, that's a good question, because I, I, pro- I probably myself have not made this list. But probably um, writing, podcasting, uh, look, making money is in my top five. I, I, I Right now, I'm starting a business uh, investing in virtual reality companies. So I, I, I love looking for the latest thing that makes me feel like oh my god this is great and so I felt that way about the internet in the 90s and I feel that way about virtual reality right now mm-hmm. so I figured okay well if I feel that way I'm going to start a business investing in virtual reality companies so I'm starting that I would say you know those are my top three or four uh, I'm about, and I, and with with writing I want to expand my my interest so instead of writing just nonfiction I have a children's book coming out soon and maybe I'll, I'll also start writing fiction now that I've built up kind of an audience I think maybe I can support a, a fiction novel so I don't know if I hit five but yeah those but so the idea too passes. is that
1: they change they're not fixed like
3: yeah the, the five
1: things change because your priorities change too like you have kids and how
3: old are your kids now my kids are 17 and 14 oh my god so I would say you know they would be in my top five but I'm not going to monetize them so <laughs> yes. ah, I'm going to sell them out <laughs> yeah. But, but I think all the time how to be a better parent, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a very hard thing, as you know. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've done a bad job at it, and I've done an okay job at it at different yeah. times.
1: I think I like the idea of what you said about it being like a muscle because to me it's like this notion of, okay, I'll just stick to the drinking thing. because
3: Let's stick to drinking.
1: drinking. So that would have been a thing.
3: Look at. By the way, I see your your liquids over here, so you don't drink alcohol, obviously, but you you <laughs> yeah. fill the gap. You've got your your kale punch and your coffee. Like these are. I have a know.
0: LaCroix, a Starbucks, and a regular water going. We still yeah. have drinking you know problems. It? They're just not chemical drinking problems. You know I just
3: had my I just had my power smoothie acai granola thing. Yeah, a <laughs> while before you got here. So, so yeah,
1: yeah, we were laughing. Do you know Glennon? Um, melton doyle doyle melton do you know glennon no momastery she runs a site called momastery okay anyway then it won't say that but we were laughing we got on on the skype with her and we had we all had like 16 drinks just over two them. we we're like yeah we just transferred things but so so going back to this muscle of re i, I mean maybe it's a muscle of reinvention but it's also like a when you were talking it made me feel or made me think of there's like a bit of trust and like being, um, being comfortable with an unknown, like not knowing where something is gonna go and not having a set, you know, a, a fixed, you can have an expectation, we all do, but, but being open to the possibility that you really don't know what's gonna happen. And the way I, I relate it back to drinking is, I got to the point where I knew what was gonna happen if I kept drinking. Pretty well. It was like a, a pretty set, fixed reality. It I would have died, or I would have. It was it was destruction. Um, maybe I could play it safe sometimes and like drink alone, and nothing bad would happen. But it was still like it was a it was a it was a fixed thing. And then there was getting sober, and I it was terror almost more terrifying in some ways because I didn't know what that world looked like. I had no idea. And, I, and it felt really big and bright and full of possibility, but it was unknown. And so, but opening to that possibility and just doing that every day, because it is a daily practice, it had to be, it still is. All these things have manifested and opened up because of that. And I could have never, ever known. I mean, it, I, I feel like for me, sitting here across from you, all goes back to the idea to the to the decision uh, to be sober.
3: Well, but let's look at all the aspects of being sober. There's time that you've saved. How many hours a week would you right, drink?
2: Right. In a bar. Right. It's
3: totally not productive.
2: Right. Okay.
3: And then there's then there's the cognition aspect. Obviously, when you don't drink, your brain's free you, to do yeah, you're more able to process things the right. next day and so on. It's just those two things alone. It
2: affects
1: everything. So, so what I'm saying is, like sometimes we think the things that we're interested in or the, the things that draw, that call up to us are, you're like, what's the point? That's not going to make me money. That's not um, something that people approve of all the reasons that we, that we could choose not to do something, but that trust of saying for whatever reason I'm drawn to do this thing and following, like trusting that and having this, do you believe in sort of that you kind of co-create with, universe or God or whatever and it responds to the courage of saying yes to those things like saying yes to the five things like you have you have an interest in them but there's also something else going on like you I don't know maybe my question's like that's like a circle but I guess just when you're talking it makes me feel like or when you're saying you know, I choose these five things it's like partial interest but a partial like we don't know why we like these things like why am I enjoying doing this you
3: know um, yeah. So, so, I mean, you. I think knowing the origins of why you're interested in something. My guess is when you were kids. Yeah. Maybe you liked taking a photograph on a Polaroid, or maybe you liked you know interviewing people somehow or being curious about people. Some some aspect of what you're doing now. Yeah. Developed itself between the ages of ten and fifteen, say, or, or younger or a little later. But I'm guessing the roots of it are somewhere there. Like. You know, I've loved games ever since I was a kid, and now I play chess, not professionally, but yep. as Holly pointed out. <laughs> but, but at uh, the same
0: time, you, when you're introduced, you, you and say your best friend are introduced to chess at the same time, at the same age. It, you, you dig game, or maybe a game. You dig games. He doesn't dig games. What accounts for that? That initial well, spark.
3: I think. I think. Um, again, everybody's different. so We have a different kind of. Chromosomes, You know, we have different genes. So I had whatever the mental genes to say, OK, this is the hierarchy I want to put myself in. I want to be better at games than anyone else. So I feel like I'm not better at chess than anyone else. But I say if you combine all games, I'm probably yeah. I love every game. Yeah. So so and I love that. So maybe that is a little bit of my top five. Maybe I will monetize. Maybe I won't. I Like I said, I've tried. I'm not quite sure I believe you that you'll never monetize photography (laughs) because I think things happen naturally too. What if you have like a beautiful set of photographs and you put out a book thinking, oh, no one's gonna buy it, and then it becomes a bestseller and people ask you to give talks on it and whatever. Mm -hmm. Who knows what happens, it becomes natural. So, uh, you know, I think in terms of the muscle, I always get back to another book you recommend on writing by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Uh, he once had a bike accident right? and then he was in bed for, yeah. I don't know, six months.
2: Yep. And, then, yeah. Yeah. and then yeah, when, the he got,
3: when he got out of bed, he started writing again and he said he literally couldn't, and I guess I mean literally, literally, he couldn't put two huh. words together. Yeah. And this is Stephen King who's written more, who sold more books than like almost anyone else the in journalist? history. He couldn't put two words together. And so writing is a muscle. If you don't do something every day, it, it, like any muscle, it atrophies.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, If you don't walk every day, you need physical therapy after a couple weeks to walk again. If you're like in an accident in a bed for two weeks, you actually need physical therapy to walk again. Yeah. So ideas are the same way. Most of us have let, for better or for worse, because society does this, most of us have let our idea muscles atrophy. Because yeah. we work at that job, we're told what to do, we do our job, we go home, we feed the kids, we go to sleep. Uh-huh. We
1: think, and then we think our, when we start to have ideas, we think they're stupid, or they're pointless, or whatever.
3: Right. And, and we're also told all these myths, like, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's just not true. So, uh, practicing building that idea muscle is a very important part for me. Yeah. Like, whether I'm writing 10 ideas a day down, or trying to force myself to be creative every day, Uh, This is really critically important because it makes you listen, it makes you curious, it makes you think about storytelling, it makes you think about how I can make my life better, what ideas can I have to make my life better, Uh, all these things are important.
1: Uh, And it requires trust too, like, do do you believe in God?
3: I believe in definitely uh, a spiritual thing beyond myself, yeah. which I could be grateful for and surrender to. Yeah. So, like, I believe in the Force in Star Wars. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> I'm a, a Jedi advocate.
1: And when you're coming up with ideas, like, when you feel like you're in... In... Flow? With that Force. In the flow with that Force.
3: Yeah. D- definitely, if I'm writing well for... I feel it if I'm not writing well I feel it but that's because I've been doing it enough and I've really studied the craft enough that I know when I'm doing bad and when I'm doing good Uh, I think I think the big problem people have when they first begin to be mentioned is they love something enough to have taste in it so they they know who's good and who's bad but when they're first beginning they're bad and uh, and they recognize the discrepancy, and so I think part of reinvention really is having the courage to fill that gap, and it could take years. Yeah, so, the Glass thing,
0: right? Created yeah, that's exactly work. what I was yeah. thinking yeah. of. Work. Yep.
3: Yeah, so I, I probably was plagiarizing him just now. I, uh, I think I think he might have come up with a taste word there. So uh,
0: maybe. I don't know. It's, I, it's, that's, I heard it somewhere. Really I don't but the idea it. is you stick with something long enough and you stick with it through being just bad at it. Um, and and yeah. those that stick with it are the ones that end up, the ones that are there in the long, it's not a matter of just immediate talent. It's a matter of the stick with it.
3: Like, I, I was teaching my daughter uh, tennis a few years ago, and she would get upset at herself if she would serve and miss, like, 9 out of 10 serves, and or let's say even 5 out of 10 serves, yeah. and, and I would make her count the percentage, so, uh, you know, Daddy, I just missed 50%, I suck at this, and and I said to her, what did you get on your biology exam today, and she would say, oh, 110 because there's extra credit you get more than 100% now every, every kid gets it's a failure if you don't get more than 100% yeah, right. and uh, and I would say to her well real life is like it's great if you only get 50% like it's a yeah. good it's probably a good finishing point but it's definitely a good starting point and that's just real life it's different from the standardized education they teach you in schools it's 100% different school yeah. doesn't reflect uh, the real world percentages and real world yeah. success and failure so you kind of have to get good at that You know, riding that curve of of failure. Let's say you want to get good at skateboarding, you're gonna start skateboarding. You're gonna break your legs all the time, (laughs) break your break bones. So, but you're you're gonna have to do that to get better. No one, no one ever got great at skateboarding by just jumping up and down the steps and doing it naturally. Like there's no such thing as natural talent at skateboarding. (laughs) Have 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 you? Have you ever
0: read um, Daniel Coyle's "The Human Code" or "The Talent Code"?
3: Yeah, and and uh, his his uh, next book, which was like the little book of talent,
2: something like wish. that.
0: But that idea that you're talking about is is also this idea of deep. Like he said, so this book is about the study of what makes what makes great talent. And one of the biggest things is is not only just doing something over and over again, but it's also doing like playing where it's really hard, where it's just outside of our comfort zone, which is where a lot of people tend to give up. Um, and that's what makes it like that's one of the keys to making the talent is not just doing it over and over again, but also staying in the the sticky part that's just right outside of our ability, like consistently. Right, Lane, D. Yeah, well,
3: well, you know, there's this notion that if you don't get out of your comfort zone, how do you, how are you ever going to find out who you really are? Because the, obviously you have two zones inside of you, the comfort zone and the uncomfortable zone. Yeah. So that's who you are. It's the combination of those zones. But we stay all the time in the comfort zone because it's easy. Yeah. If you don't try to step out of that a little bit every day, which is also a muscle you have to exercise every day, how are you ever going to really know who the full you are
0: I wouldn't say the comfort zone is easy I think that's a de- it's deeply discomfort to stay within like this small sphere and stay small I think that I depends think that this- on who you are though
1: yeah I think it depends on who you are a little bit
0: well, most people do live and die, like, the same day over and over again throughout their entire lives, and it, it may be easy just to stay there, it may be hard to move out of it, but it's also, there's nothing easy about 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 staying, about not living and, and, and testing your edges or finding, you know, finding that totally partner fair. that moves you. I think it's, I think uh, comfort zones are you're prisons.
3: Right. You're right, it's not easy, and yet 100 million people in the U.S. have nine to five jobs that they yeah. go to every day, and... And maybe they'll stay that way the rest of their lives or yeah. until they're demoted or demeaned enough that they or, or fired that they have to uh, uh, figure it out. But I think it's a good practice now to kind of every day step outside that comfort zone somehow to figure out who you are. For instance, let's say you're taking a photograph. And the only way to get that photograph is to actually go up to the person and say, can I take your photograph? For me, that's heavily outside my comfort zone.
2: But you are doing that. That's that what you are doing. I right.
3: am trying to do it, so yeah. I am trying to do myself a photograph of the day. Where in almost every case, I have to go up to the person and say, "Hey, can I take your photo?" Really close up, and that's incredibly outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> and yet, it makes me better. It makes the photographs better. I think. Uh, okay. I don't know if, if you notice in, that I in yours, but it's yeah. it's a hard thing.
0: How no, I agree. There?
1: What do, what happens in your days? Like what? How do you structure your days? Because I just whenever I get emails of yours, which are you write a ton, you just you produce a lot of content, and um, I sit there and think like when what what happens in his days? Like how? What are you doing? Like what are you doing today when you leave? And what did you do this morning? What time do you wake up?
3: So so I woke up um, at about four thirty. Yeah. I, uh I got a haircut.
0: You did? You did. Yeah. At yeah. what time? Do you come yeah. to <laughs> your house?
3: Yeah, I have someone come to my house.
0: <laughs> what do they do?
3: Just cuts my hair. Did
0: you <laughs> do they <laughs> I you- mean, are they like what how do they cut your hair? Are they like is Her it combed out? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, she washes my hair, cuts it
0: okay blow dries it is it the same person
2: is it yeah your same hair person. person okay
3: and it's just I like the fact that I can get it done before my day imagine getting your hair cut like in the, at 2 o'clock you have to go there at like 1 yeah and then you get so what time does haircut.
1: she
3: come over to
1: cut your hair yeah 4.30 shut no fucking no way
3: yeah because I like to <laughs> that's get, the best
2: like of think everything. about
3: cutting your hair it's a 3 hour thing and normally if you're going to go, let's say you have a four o'clock appointment, you're going to leave at three to your appointment and then you wait there. You're going to get your hair cut by five and then you're going to go home at six. That's three to six. So if I have someone come to my house at 430, I have to wake up at 425, just cuss my hair, start in 15, 20 minutes, and then I'm done. So 20 minutes out of my day. And by the way, my day hasn't even started yet. So it takes zero impact on my day. To cut my hair that way. This
0: is just the best. Choice. How did you find you're somebody to come to your house at 4:30 in the morning to cut your hair? That's what so, I want to know.
3: Took a lot of work. I had to get my hair <laughs> cut by many people until someone came <laughs> to do that. So it's like finding a relationship. So okay,
1: this is the best. So you're in the okay. dark, like I mean, you can't be in the dark. She's not cutting your hair that way, but you're like shuffling out of bed, and you're like yeah. And by the way,
3: way. I've, I've recently. Um, thrown out all my possessions. Yes, so, I want to talk about that. So, so I live in kind of random places, and, uh, you know, it just depends on the place where I'm living in. I don't want to wake up if someone else is living there, for instance, or,
2: right. you know,
3: um, but... In this so where are you right now? So right now, uh, I'm staying at... A, a friend of mine who I do a lot of business deals with, yeah. he has yeah. fortunately made, you know, has done very well for himself, yeah. and he has several apartments in the city, so I happen to be just staying at one of them it's at the moment. right over here. But, uh, yeah, and then I'm actually moving in a week also around here. Um, But, you know, I kind of threw myself, you know, part of what I do each day is surrender to what's going to happen. So I I was in a situation where, you know, I was, I got sick of owning several years ago and I got sick of renting. So I just sort of threw myself on the goodwill of my friends.
2: And I figure
3: I've done, I've created a lot of goodwill over the years, but I've never let people do favors for me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to surrender and let people do favors for me. And mm-hmm. so I called around and people do favors for me, and everybody said, Yeah, why don't you stay at this place? And I picked the best place I could stay at. Holy shit. And so I haven't paid rent in three months, and I've lived in literally the best apartments in New York and City you have living in. A couple bags. I have, I have one bag for computers. I forgot where it was, that bag over there. Yep. And I have one bag for three outfits of clothes. This being one of my. I'm um, pointing you have to my. Three uh, outfits. Yeah, three outfits.
1: Okay, this is amazing. And and and
3: I'll do things when I move. I'll buy like a new toothbrush, toothpaste, deodorant, stuff like that. So it's a little costs a little money. You have to spend your money on different things when you're minimalist. Um, So I don't spend money on home ownership or rent, but I'll spend money on buying like a different outfit every now and then, and so on. And so so then my. So what does
1: your surrender look like? Do you wake up and pray? Do you meditate? Do you?
3: No, I I I literally say. To myself, and this is going to sound odd, I say, I just woke up, and I'm an alien from another universe, and I just woke up in this body on this random planet, what do I have to figure out from here to, to, get, to get this body functional and, and performing during the day, and I'll sense, I'll sense to myself, oh, this body, he's a human being apparently, wants to um, go outside and read so I love to read yeah. and then you might want to write or, you know, I just, I just was reading. I was just writing. And then I came over here to do this podcast. Uh, it
2: sounds like
1: Byron Katie. Do you know her?
3: I do know Byron Katie. I mean, I don't know her personally. I read, I've read a lot it's of her just sort of how
1: she, when she had her kind of a spiritual awakening, she was like, Oh look, it was almost like she was witnessing herself kind of yeah. doing these things.
3: So, so I think she does it in a very natural way. I have to kind of force myself to do it. It's okay. more, again, like practicing a muscle. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I'll do this podcast. Yeah. And then I've already written for the day, but maybe I'll write more. maybe you I'll you write? Read more. I wrote... Um, like, do you measure it? So I, I was walking in the street the other day, and I saw a guy playing the piano in the middle of the street uh, on Spring Street right yeah. over here. And I'm like, oh you know, damn, I didn't, I didn't bring my camera. I would have loved to photograph this. He was literally just playing the piano in the middle of the street. How do you get a wooden piano in the middle of the street? So I walked past him, not thinking much of it, and he called out to me, James. <laughs> and so this is part of a surrender thing. Like, I didn't know I was going to take this walk and then pass this guy who I wanted to photograph, and then he calls out James. And I stopped and I said, hey, how's it going? And he said, I wrote to you four or five years ago and asked you what should I... Do with my life, and I gave him some advice, and I guess he took it, and he started traveling all around the world, playing the piano in streets all around the world. Huh. And so here, <laughs> oh, here we're he meeting, and I even Googled, in, or I, in my Gmail, I searched for his name later, and I saw the email chain back in like 2012, and uh, so I took, so I said, look, let me take your picture with your camera, and so I took his picture with his camera and then he emailed it to me and i wrote kind of a little story around that which i haven't posted yet yeah but uh so so that was what i wrote today that's so cool yeah and so you start to do these things and they compound so when you start to like surrender like this like oh i'm gonna respond to this person's email in 2012. oh i'm gonna take this walk oh i'm gonna borrow this guy's camera so anything an opportunity that presents myself and I feel like doing, I do. Right. If, it, if it doesn't seem like it'll cause damage to me, I do it. Right. And uh, and then they compound, things happen. I run into him four years later, and magic things happen. And yeah. I learn from it. Like, oh, what's it like to give up everything in your life and travel around the world with a piano for four years? Right. I learned from that. And so that adds to my life too. Yeah. And so so I did that. Maybe I'll write more later. Uh, I usually do some business... Business is easy. So I usually do some business-related stuff in the afternoon because that's the point where I'm most tired. Like, yeah. I start to collapse. You don't
1: need a bunch of... I, I in my brain yeah. to do
3: business stuff. And then I might take a nap. And then uh, later today, I'm doing a... Um, so a friend of mine is a, a famous venture capitalist. We're doing kind of a webinar about business. Yeah. I don't know what it's about, actually. He asked me to do it, and I'm just going to show up, show and up we'll and, do it. Yeah. And then after that, uh, I have uh, kind of a, a, a date. I'm going to play ping pong. So <laughs> you Ping are? pong is a great thing to do on a date, because <laughs> everybody goes to dinner on a date. Yeah. Imagine just going on vacation with your kids and just going to meals. You'll get bored talking. Okay, to that people just people.
1: made me so anxious, thinking of playing ping pong on a date. Like, no, because
3: then it doesn't matter if you're bad or good. Like, I'm not so great at ping pong. It doesn't matter if you're bad or good. It's just something, you're, it's, it's a place where you can look at other people and talk about them. It's an activity you could do that you could talk about later. Yeah. It's something you can do and laugh and joke about because someone's bad and someone's good or whatever. No, and it's
2: good. It's fun. Yeah.
3: As opposed to just having a meal, which then you have to, like, talk about, you know, everything that's ha- you know, Like... Look, you just gave me your whole psychological inventory at the first part of this podcast. Yes!
2: So I asked you, yes,
3: but and your podcast is about that, so I felt comfortable asking. But on a date, you don't necessarily do that, uh, you I know. Do. And it's like, yeah, but maybe
1: that's why I'm not. Maybe that, that could
3: be a good thing or a bad thing. You don't you don't always want to have uh, give, you know have someone do a complete psychoanalysis. No, it turns out some like, boundaries. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, you
1: know,
3: initially. Sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's exciting, right? And that's why you, you like to hear it and you like to do it, but sometimes it's for the third or fourth day. Yeah. So, yeah. um...
0: <laughs>
3: you know, and then also, I downloaded this app, Geocaching. Have you ever seen it? No. What
0: is it called? I heard of it.
3: Geocaching? No. So it's this thing Like where, caching, uh,
0: C-A-C, like, like, cache? C-A-C.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay, So okay. it's this th- so it's like a, tr- a treasure hunt. So people have buried all these things all around every city. Mm-hmm. And geocaching tells you where these things are in their little scrolls. So that's another fun thing I might do this afternoon is find something that somebody has buried somewhere. Yeah. doesn't seem like such a bad idea to do
0: for a small of time. life is <laughs> It
2: could be. So, uh, uh, go ahead.
0: Uh, Well I want to get to addiction specifically Um, You have in Choose Yourself, I'm going to read you a quote of yours And then I'm going to ask you to talk about it So it says, I'm an addict For 20 years I replaced one addiction with another I can't even describe all of them I'm actually embarrassed, ashamed I would cling to whatever addiction was making me happy at the moment A fire sucks the oxygen out of the room When the oxygen is gone The fire is extinguished Then burnout occurs That's addiction It takes every form, entrepreneurship drugs, sex, love, games, and escapism of all forms. I've been addicted to all of them. I've been addicted to the 12-step meetings where you get to meet the other people who might be as screwed up as you are. So you have this in your book, and then you also, I think, in some of your... I know I've read somewhere something about maybe you don't drink, or... I'm curious about um, if you can just elaborate on that quote and also maybe talk about what your what your relationship is with addiction since writing that.
3: Well, first off, thank you for reading back that quote. I was a damn good writer back then. I didn't even remember that quote.
1: (laughs) uh, Isn't that nice and someone reads you something? You're like, oh.
3: Yeah, I used to do something really well. Um, Yeah, but I think it's possible. I think it's easy to switch one addiction to another, as you both probably know. And and I would do that frequently and probably still do it. And uh, I think you just have to kind of find the addiction that works for you in a weird way. There's nothing wrong necessarily with being passionate about something and being obsessed with something and, and trying to figure out the ways you could find more time to do it. As you described with alcohol, you could also say the same thing with going to the gym. And some people are addicted to going to the gym, and they they could get too obsessive about it. But I think in general, that's probably a healthier addiction than yes. alcohol. So so it's just kind of picking your your poison a little bit. So you
1: feel like you're always going to be playing sort of, sort of whack a mole with addictions, and maybe just try to choose ones that aren't going to kill you. Or yeah, do you I don't know. Like-,
3: like maybe like like you say with chemical addictions, there's an extra aspect to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what addiction is not chemical because we have neurochemicals and chemicals in our body anyway that respond to you know repeated use of repeated doing something so but i think you're right like drug addiction or alcohol addiction there's a little extra edge to it because of the chemical aspect but certainly like sex and love addiction and relationship addiction and things like that are more related to the chemicals inside your body and your history and things like that um so but i think in general if you have a negative kind of addiction it's going to consume you so you can't you can't do anything else except figure out how you can change your life around to satisfy the needs of that addiction. Yeah, and that's what I mean by you know sucking all the oxygen out of out of your life. It it just extinguishes every any kind of passion or fire you have in you. And
1: are you in that place now? Do you? What's your like? What's what about you? Where
0: are you with? Yeah, I think doctor?
3: um, and again, I think these are, are healthier addictions, but definitely. Uh, I um, probably addicted to I don't like calling it an addiction because it's not really that, but I love writing. I'll write I feel bad if I don't write every day um, and, and reading. I love you know, it seems it seems arrogant to call it an addiction. Um, but I would say these are things I'm passionate about that I feel bad if I, yeah. if I don't do. Um, you know, whereas other people have addictions where in the negative sense, uh, it negatively, I don't know. I think I've had a problem where I've been addicted to not being alone. Like, I don't like mm-hmm. to be by myself that much. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm a somewhat introverted person, like, I re- rejuvenate by being alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I like to be in a relationship. I like to have people in my life. I like to have friendships. Uh, but I but the relationship part can have a negative quality. Uh, so... Do you drink
1: anymore? Mm-hmm. Like you said, I remember you, you talked about at one point you didn't drink. Did you drink
3: anymore, yeah. So I stopped drinking for six years. I think I definitely had an alcohol problem, yeah. And I stopped for six years without a drop at yeah. all. And was
1: that like easy to do? Was it Was it a big deal? Was it good? Was it what What did you notice when that when you decided to? I do was it? only
3: able to do it because I was with somebody who didn't drink at all, and so I basically latched on to what her habits were, yeah. And so, in that sense, I was able to do it. Uh, so I, I did have a problem with it, but without going to, like, a 12-step for it, I was able to just completely latch onto her habits.
1: Was that in a... Would you say that in a good way? Like, do you feel like you're latching onto her habits was just, like, I'm going to go along for the ride because this is the thing we're doing,
3: and... I think it was... I think it was good. I I think... I think for most of that relationship, she was good for me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not... It's it's ended, so it's not happening right now. But... So, so consequently, um, it's not like I'm to. It's not like I drink a lot, but I, I I'm not against for myself drinking every now and then. Yeah. Um, but back then, for six years, straight years, I didn't drink a drop. And was
1: it a decision to put alcohol back into your life, or was it kind of a just? It, it was it a thing? Was it a thing where you like? Okay, I'm going to drink. I'm not in this. And also, maybe was it like attached to the relationship?
3: I think it was attached to the relationship. Yeah. And I think now it's, but I think now it's more attached to health. So, I want to be very healthy, and I think if you drink too much, it's a very unhealthy thing. It's very, it's a sugary sort of drink, and you. the a neurotoxin. You wake up the next day. Yeah, you wake up the next day kind of half dead, mm-hmm. and uh, so so it's not like I stop completely. Like uh, I think, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything really positive about it, but I think having one drink here and there.
1: But you have not- that—you clearly have an off switch. Like I can i couldn't just say, and I'm thinking of the people that the, oh. the people that are listening and going oh huh, you nope. know maybe I can, can never decide. drink
0: again no I yeah, like that with me, cocaine I could I could I'm fi- like take it or leave it not with drinking or pot no yeah.
1: if I say I'm gonna have I'm gonna have a, here, a drink here and there it doesn't look like that and it never will and I don't <laughs> even you know, it's not even interesting I don't even want to do
0: it anymore it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I tend to be a little bit of a chameleon. So whoever, which is why I'm a little bit of a relationship addict, yeah. uh, like whoever I'm kind of with, I sort of uh, mimic their habits a little bit. So I try to be with people. But you know, as they, I saying: you're the average of the five people you spend yeah. most time it. with. And so I like to be around extremely positive people because then I know if I start mimicking their habits, they'll in general be positive for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when I was drinking a lot, uh, I wasn't around positive people, and not only that, I was extremely unhappy in my life and so I was self medicated unhappiness by essentially drinking to the point of blackout mm-hmm. and uh so I would do that every night essentially and but I did have an off switch which was which was triggered when I was around somebody and in love with somebody who didn't drink at all
2: yeah
3: um and so I don't know how it affected me positively or negatively. All I know is is that I didn't drink for, for six years and and then I started again. Yeah. But I don't drink I've never drink now.
2: It doesn't bed. look like yeah. it did. Before. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A couple points in there that are interesting. One is I think it's really important to state that you know for for me I've just replaced a lot of I've replaced a lot of compulsions for healthier ones. But it's all escapism, right? Like for to some extent a lot of the stuff that we do like the big umbrella is escapism. We're uncomfortable and we're looking for some way to manage our discomfort in some way to not be present. But when we're talking about I love that you said I don't want to be arrogant and say that like you know I'm addicted to writing I love that you say that because a lot of people throw around this, well, I'm addicted to this, I'm addicted to this, I'm addicted to this. And while it might have some of the same characteristics of it, addiction is defined, just to be clear for the audience, addiction is defined as something that you do over and over and over again despite negative consequences. And there are specific, there are, there are behaviors, there are process addictions, which are food and eating, which are relationships, gambling, and and there's at uh, sex, porn, um, and then there's also, um, and technology is another one, Um where it literally specifically there are specific things that happen to your physiology and your psychology. Um, and then there are also chemical addictions. And so right, to say like writing is an addiction, you know, in like the only way that it is is if writing is ruining your life and you just can't stop. And you um, said I,
3: I totally agree. And I, I think what I did was I tried to transfer that um let's say chemical need to be attached to something. To you know, from negative things to positive things. So maybe that right. removes the word addiction, but it's still
0: escapism because you still need something. Like you're still using some external force in order to, um, into in order to, uh, I guess manage your, your happiness.
1: Right. I mean, well, well, then it makes it sound
0: bad, though. I mean, I don't
1: think that. Do you think it? it well, if you mean then it, it, otherwise it, we're just sitting here. Well, I mean, but, there, there's
3: negative aspects though to any kind of. Um, obsession, which is, let's say with, let's take with writing. I really wish I could ignore um, whether I like, whether I want people to like my writing or not, but I can't. So I get depressed if somebody doesn't like what I do. Or or if I, uh, you know, if I'm addicted to making money, I get really depressed if I lose money. Um, when you start businesses or you get involved in business activities, you could make or lose money, and uh, I get you know, and you could start to rank yourself depending on where you stand among, let's say, other the average person in New York, which is a very depressing thing, or the average person in the U.S. or whatever. So, so I, I think if you even with these positive uh, obsessions, there's there could be negative uh, qualities to it if you sort of put yourself in the wrong hierarchy.
2: Well, Lori, you again, said something it's not
3: chemical.
0: You said something you're right. And it's Laura, you said something really interesting which is like it, it, okay, so like all this stuff otherwise we're just standing here like this and you had your arms <laughs> down to your side and military stance. And that's that piece that I was writing on the insatiable dwarf there is but but the thing is we most of us cannot just be no, we cannot just be, not even for a few fucking seconds and I had that moment I was talking about where I'm driving and I'm just uncomfortable and I look for gum and I want to drink a fizzy water and I want to listen to music or maybe I want to listen to an audiobook like we're constantly trying to stuff stuff the space and so I think the important distinction is escapism which it versus addiction all addiction is escapism but not all escapism is addiction yeah that's, that's true yeah I agree with that
3: and again, I think some escapism could have negative consequences, but it's not like uh, blacking out in a new room every day <laughs> or, or, or damaging your health, although stress damages your health. So, you know, there's there's, there's, there, there, there's a bridge connecting the two, but they're not the same thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I just made it, what you just said made me think what Holly said. So one of my favorite interviews of yours is Mickey Singer.
3: Oh yeah, The uh, Surrender Experiment.
1: Yeah, that was really good, and I, I actually just listened to it yesterday. Uh, that was live. I
3: flew down to Gainesville and stayed on his, like, basically compound yeah. and hung out with him for, like, a week and it was great. Like, I love the guy. He, and his book, The Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, I think people should read them back to back. Like, they're, they're, like, among spiritual-type books, like, they're the two best I've ever read.
1: Really? Yeah. Yeah. So he, and, I, and just when I think I've like read them all, there's new ones and I love that. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm excited to read those and I will get them like probably today. But the, um, the, the one thing he said that, it, there were many things, I'm gonna wanna listen to that over and over again, but the one thing he said that I like zapped my brain was um, the goal is to serve the moment you're in
3: yeah, and I not love that try quote. To I've plagiarized it. that quote several times.
1: Oh. So, <laughs> so, the goal is to serve the moment you're in, not manipulate it. Right. And that, it, it's, I mean, I've heard that said a bunch of different ways, but that particular choice of words was really good.
3: So, I'll give a simple example and a complex example. You ever go bowling? Yeah. So when you bowl, and the ball is going slightly off, you ever feel you're, like your body is like, moving because you yeah, want the like, ball to move where your body is moving? That's like manipulating the moment. As opposed to, okay, I release the ball, and you just stand there and watch and see what happens, or even turn away, Whatever's going to happen. You can't change what's going to happen. The ball's already been released. Yeah. So, but everybody, the entire bowling alley, their body's like, oh, no, go this way. <laughs> yeah, that's and, so true. so that's manipulating the moment. a great
0: metaphor. That's a great metaphor.
3: And then I'll relate it to the experience I had on the set of Billions. So I I was on this board call. I could have, there was nothing I could do. The company was going out of business. I could have cried. I could have made a bunch of phone calls. No, we can save this and try to figure out ways to save this. But I knew there was nothing I could do. Mm -hmm. So surrendering to the moment meant just going back upstairs and enjoying this incredible experience that I was in the middle of, like, watching this great TV show being shot. It's as happening. To, yeah. Like, you, yeah,
2: it's happening anyway.
3: Yeah, it's happening anyway. So, so that's surrendering to the moment.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's well, yeah, it's, it's either, it's deciding to add pain on top of pain, or, right? Or just allowing the, the, the natural thing that's actually happened to happen without, without adding any crap on top of it.
3: Pain on top of pain is a great expression. So there's there's a saying, you know, the first arrow will wound you. So in the first arrow in this case was the company was closing down, but the second arrow will kill you. So the second arrow could have happened if I just went home and was depressed for three months instead of, you know... Going back on the set, then writing about the experience, then being a good father that weekend, and, and so on. So the second arrow would have killed me if I didn't if I let it hit, but I didn't let it hit. Yeah. I hope. Maybe and later on it'll hit. I don't know.
0: It's like um, Sylvia Borstein quote, which is pain is inevitable inevitable, but suffering is optional.
3: Yeah, well that's very Buddhist, right? So she's a Buddhist. So, <laughs> yes, right. So four noble truths. You know, suffering. Uh, everybody experiences suffering, but uh, but there's a way out
2: of it. Yeah.
0: So we are at about an hour and twenty minutes, and we have we still have to do the intro. So Laura, why don't you do you want to ask um, the last question? Yeah. So uh, this is our favorite question. I'm really curious what
1: your answer is. So, what do you think your job is?
3: You know, I don't. I, what, so the question is, what do I think my job is? Here
0: on this planet, like, are you like what are you here? for?
3: I have no idea. So I, I have no idea what my <laughs> what my job is. I don't know if any of us has any job. What's the job of like an ant or a cockroach? Like, what do
0: you think? I don't believe you. No, I believe. I believe I have a job. I think Laura thinks she has a job. What yeah. do you think your jobs are? I think my job is I uh, the stuff that I'm doing, which is working on changing the addiction space in the way that I feel it needs to be changed and creating do you, more. Do
3: you think 20 years from now that'll be your job?
0: No, but that's okay. I think my job okay. right now, as I understand it, the reason that I'm here is to, I, I, I've seen something that nobody else is doing. It's something that I feel I need to do. And at the end of the day, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the ultimate. It's, it's why I think I'm here. It, it is what I believe my purpose is
3: okay I so, admire that
0: so today
1: though you so you really you really don't know
3: I have no idea yeah and and and, and I don't think that's a bad thing or good thing like you know maybe my job I mean I wrote all these books that that people liked uh, so maybe that was my job then was to write mm-hmm. those books I have no idea what it is today like I I uh, I try to be creative every day, and I try to help people Mm -hmm. when I can, Mm -hmm. and I enjoy meeting new people, like I'm meeting the two of you right now, this is great, and that's it. Maybe my job is to meet great new people every day, and and then die, and all the memories are bound with me.
0: Well, I think would say when I my sense that I got from you like the over like the theme I get is that you kind of you know you walk to the beat of your own drum and you inspire others to do that and not only do you inspire other people to do it you you preach to other people to do it and so maybe that's not your job but that is what I see one big purpose that you're that you're filling
3: I, I don't preach to other people to do it like I just only tell what I do and then other people can decide if that Fits what they want to do. I would never, I would never t- tell anybody what to do. Other than my friend who asked for career advice, and I said go to a couples therapist. <laughs> I told him what to do. He may or may not do it, but that's what I would do if I were him. Um, but uh, other, other than that, I only tell what I do. I never tell anybody else what to do.
0: But I, what I'm saying is, you your message is your message is that of 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 finding of finding yourself and and choose like it is really truly to choose yourself it is to, to yes. like, and that's kind of how you you know model how what from what i've seen from from you know from social media and our now mm-hmm. hour and 20 minute conversation um and reading your books I, like that's what i see which is just uh, modeling the behavior um and to, and giving the message to you know to kind of create the life that you want mm-hmm. choose yourself
3: and it's, it's totally selfish. Completely 100% selfish. Isn't everything? Because every, isn't everything, it's so true. Because, look, everything I've ever done, every single moment added up. Where has it led me to? It's led me to this moment right here. Like, this is the only thing it's led me to is right here with you guys. So... And I'm having up on time, so it's to- everything I've ever done in my life was totally selfish to get me right here. Exactly. So th- thanks for having me on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's Thank
0: been you. awesome. Thanks for uh, thanks for hijacking it at the beginning. It's great. It's been it's been such a pleasure talking to you.
3: Thank you. Same Thank here. You. Nice.
0: Cool. All right. Okay. I'm gonna go and finish chopping away at my deck. Yeah. Um, it was really nice. Meeting <laughs> meeting.
2: So Thank <laughs>